0: We are, uh, as Hannah mentioned to the children in a sermon series, the Jesus we need to know. Uh, It's important that we get past some sort of ideas and weird thoughts out there about Jesus and really look carefully at scripture and listen to what uh, is really said about who Jesus is and experience him personally. And I want to read this morning uh, portions of uh, one of the most beautiful, poetic, and profound passages of Scripture, and all of the Bible. Uh, It's called John's Prologue, or the Prologue to the Gospel of John. Uh, It's in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It'll be 1 through 5, and then 10 through 18, and uh, I invite you to stand if you're able as we listen prayerfully and experience the Word about the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We promised to ask ourselves uh, some faithful questions as we think about different scriptures and different perspectives on who Jesus is, the Jesus we need to know. Uh, We were going to ask ourselves very honestly, who is Jesus in light of this Bible teaching? Uh, How does culture distort what we need to know about Jesus? What have we ingested in terms of folklore that needs to be cleaned out? Uh, How does Jesus save us? And from what does Jesus save us? And we're going to try to explore those questions in each of the weeks of this series. Now, it's interesting that this is still a Christmas story, but from a totally different perspective. If you think about it, Matthew and Luke tell the traditional Christmas stories about where Jesus came from and how Jesus began. They start with his physical birth on earth as a baby. But John says, I want to talk to you about the beginning of Jesus, and I want to go back a lot farther than that. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ, preexistent with the Father from eternity past, In the beginning, just like Genesis 1 starts out, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now John says, in the beginning was the Word as God begins recreation through Jesus Christ. So that's the beginning. That's how far back we go. And it's so fascinating that John, under the inspiration of the Spirit, chooses the metaphor of Word. In the beginning was the Word. In fact, The name Jesus Christ isn't mentioned until the concluding part of this passage of Scripture. The metaphors of light and word are used continually. He's the word. What does that mean? That Jesus Christ is God's word. He's God's best communication about God. He's God's final word and full word about us and about our need. He's God's word to us about what life is all about and what what we can become, what life was intended to be. He's God's full communication. Now, to be called the Word is a very significant thing. We know all about words. Lots of words wash over us. Uh, Lots of words are spoken by us. Words bombard us all day long, all week long. There are words coming at us from every direction, did you know this past fall, Facebook now brags, based on this, uh, the, the third quarter of uh, 2019, Facebook, Facebook now brags an average monthly active user number of 2.45 billion users across the world. And you think a lot of those are on your, on your page, right? A lot of those come in on your feed uh, what about Twitter? Every second, across the world, six thousand tweets. Six thousand. That adds up to three hundred fifty thousand tweets per minute. Five hundred million tweets per day worldwide, and that's not to count YouTube and podcasts and and online articles and. And radio and TV and words and words and words and yak, 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 yak. And in the midst of all those words, lowercase w, small w, words, in the midst of all of that noise, here's the word. In the midst of that, the word of God comes says you listen to me you need to hear and experience this word fascinating to me that in the very last verse the very last phrase that i read verse 18 jesus the word is explained as the one who makes the father known The the literal Greek word that is used in the New Testament for making the Father known, Jesus is the one who exegetes the Father. Exegete is a word that we used in seminary. It's used to describe a preaching. Uh, It's used in, in the teaching of sermon preparation and delivery. It's used to describe what happens when we make plain or we make known what the Word in Scripture actually says. Hopefully today, hopefully every Sunday, I am exegeting the Bible passage that we just read. In Sunday school classes, in a little while, teachers will be exegeting, class members will be exegeting the Word of God to make it known. That's what Jesus does. He comes and exegetes the Father in simple, demonstrable, clear ways. I love... Uh, Colossians 1.15, what the Apostle Paul says uh, in the message uh, rendering of that. We look at this Son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. That's what the Apostle Paul says about his own experience with Jesus and how he understands the coming of Christ, the word that is made flesh. He says a little bit later in that Colossian letter, everything of God gets expressed in Jesus. Everything of God gets expressed in Jesus. He's God's word. Well, let me ask you, is it possible? Is it possible for us to ignore the word when God speaks? Is it possible for us just to stop our ears? squint our eyes shut so we can't see the light? Of course it is. Because Scripture says in verse 10 and verse 11, he came to his own home and his own home would not accept him. He made the world, the word Jesus with the Father made the world, so he comes to visit that which is his home which he made and his own world rejects him. Think about it. And you know, that's part of what we need to be saved from, our pride that says we can do it better, we can do it without you, God. I don't need your help, thank you very much. It's that human effort, self-salvation that we need saving from. It's either a self-salvation focused on wisdom or on works. On wisdom, it's I can figure this out myself. I don't need anybody else, I don't need you, God. A work salvation is, I can work this out myself. I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. And it's just not possible. Because our salvation is not about achieving. It's about receiving. It's not about achieving. It's about receiving. Because listen to verse 12. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God. It's not about Achieving, it's about receiving what the Word is doing for us. It's not about a creed. It's about a personal relationship with the eternal Word. And then that most beautiful expression in verse 4, the Word became flesh and made His home among us. The message translates that, the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus, God's word, came among us. Uh, Several years ago, I took a couple of my grandsons to a movie uh, one evening. And uh, uh, as the movie was getting ready to start, uh, this iconic picture of uh, the Columbia lady came on the screen. Uh, Before Columbia Pictures movies, this is always shown. And the younger one, the four-year-old, whispered loudly to me, Is that Jesus? Jesus? And his older brother, about seven, said, No, dummy, that's a girl. Jesus is a boy. <laughs> now, let me hasten to add, children, don't say dummy. That was wrong. My, my grandchildren are nearly perfect, but, uh, but he shouldn't have said dummy. So I, w- I don't want to get in trouble with parents out there. But, you know, they were onto something. They were grabbing the concept that, that Jesus was a real person. He was a boy. He had flesh. He was human. He walked among us. God was here. Can you fathom that? God was here. Walking among us. And for some reason, evangelicals, and Baptists in particular, over our years of revivalism, got into a really bad habit of focusing on the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus as if anything in between doesn't matter. And I think we reap the harvest of that when people think they can just parrot some words about, yeah, Jesus died for me, and then live any way they want. But it isn't so. Dallas Willard has said that if we print Bibles with Jesus' words in red, why don't we print those same Bibles with Jesus' deeds in green? What he did in green. Because what he did is significant because he shows us the Father. He exegetes the Father. He shows us what God is like and what our lives can become and should become. I don't know if you realize it or not, but when, when Judas betrayed Jesus and, and then took his own life in the book of Acts... There's the story about how the early church went about choosing a new apostle to replace Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact they had one stipulation for an apostle to replace Judas. They said it needs to be someone who was with Jesus when he was on earth coming in and out among us. That's one of the reasons the apostle Paul had trouble being accepted as an apostle. Because they said it needs to be someone who saw Jesus in the flesh and saw him come in and out among us. Just saw him everyday life. Because this is God's word. God's word is not an institution. It's not a building. It's not a creed or a philosophy. It's not an emotion. It's, It's a relationship with the living word. And twice, John uses this twin coupling. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And later, uh, in the the passage, he says the same thing. Uh, We experienced his his presence full of grace and truth. Now, if he mentions it twice, that, that tandem, that twin set is probably important. Full of grace. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus showed us God. A God full of grace. You may have come into this place this morning with a notion of God as angry and vindictive. Up there keeping score, just waiting for you to make a mistake so He could just snuff you out like you're some kind of bug. That's not not the Jesus picture of who God is. He's full of grace. He's full of love. He's full of forgiveness. And... And to flip that around, there are some people who want God to be like that because they are people of violence and people of hate and people of bullying. And if you are a person of violence and hate and bullying, you need to create in your own image a God who is cruel and vindictive and angry because that sort of fits who you are. But that's not a picture of Jesus. He's full of grace. And I would say to those of you who are here this morning, who want to commit your life to Christ but you're afraid you can't live up to it. Did you notice that phrase that in verse 16 that said we have received of his fullness and grace upon grace? There's always grace when you come into a relationship with Jesus. There's always more grace. You can't do it yourself. There's always more grace. Grace heaped upon grace is the phrase. Grace piled upon grace. Grace Added to the stack of grace that's already there. There's always sufficient grace. You don't do it alone. God will give you grace for whatever you're going through. But what was the other half of that, of that tandem? Full of grace and truth. Jesus is no pushover. It's not sloppy sentimentality. He's full of truth. There's truth in him. And Somebody has said that The mind will never be satisfied with truth until behind that truth you find a person who is true. You know the thing that made Jesus full of truth? His behavior always lined up with his words. Don't you find that a problem in your own life? I do in mine. My behavior doesn't always line up with my words. But in Jesus there was no space, there was no There was no disparity between what he said and who he was. I'm telling you that in Jesus, there is no disappointment. In Jesus, there is no failure. In Jesus, there is no gap. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. And one of the things that we saw in Jesus' three years of public ministry, he always left people better than he found them. And that people, even today, even in my own life, once we have experienced Jesus Christ, we are never the same. We are simply never the same. Because he changes us. Because he's full of grace and truth. Because he is all that God has to say. He's God's word. Let's bow our heads together. I want us to pray for just a moment. Gracious, loving God, open our hearts, open each of our hearts to the power of your presence. Through Christ we pray. Amen.